This morning we are very thankful to have Dave DeSelm. He was for 36 years the pastor of Fellowship Missionary Church up in Fort Wayne. His lovely wife Gwen is with them here today. And so would you please welcome them as he comes to bring God's word. Thank you, Mike. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you. It's been a while since I've been down in the great metropolitan area of Bern, and so uh, I'm just so glad to be here with you. As, as Mike mentioned, uh, yeah, this is a, a new time for me. This is not only a new year, but this is a new era for Gwen and me. Uh, after 36 years, I handed off the baton of fellowship, and so I kind of found myself wondering, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then Mike said, hey, you want to come to Bern? I said, absolutely. So I'm so glad that I can do that with you. you know, as I thought about what to share with you, I hearken back to the time of transition that we were in after three and a half decades as a church. Transition is always traumatic, isn't it? It's always difficult to navigate change, especially in the church. It seems some things should always be the same, we think, and yet change comes even to churches. So as I thought about fellowship, I grappled with, what am I going to talk about in my last teaching series? And I reflected back on Scripture where there was a great massive change that took place with God's people. It was a change of leadership between Moses handing off to Joshua, between the, the territory they were familiar with and the uncharted territory they were stepping into. So for several months, I taught from the book of Joshua about a change of leadership and stepping into new territory. As I thought about you, I thought about where you are right now, this year, corporately as a church, and perhaps personally as an individual, my guess is many of you are in a time of transition. At least you are as a church, aren't you? You're facing a leadership shift. You're stepping into uncharted territory. So I thought for my three weeks that I'm with you here in January, I'd adopt three messages that I share with fellowship with my transition that might serve you well with your transition. That makes sense? So what we're going to do is take a look, and I ask you to open your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, whatever you got, to Joshua chapter, to Joshua chapter 10. And we're going to consider one of the most remarkable miracles that took place in all Scripture. So if you can find Joshua chapter 10, it'll be on the screen, but you can also access your Bibles if you wish. Let me read to you verses 1 to 15 from Joshua 10. It reads, now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he'd done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Joppia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it's made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. 
So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, so Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran, cut them down all the way to Zekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the day and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Isn't a great story? What we see here is a continuation in the latter part of the book of Joshua. They've already crossed the Jordan. They've already defeated the walls of Jericho. Now Joshua, one of the most brilliant military campaigns, and by the way, even the instructors at West Point declared that he was one of the greatest generals of all time. He's now dividing up the promised land. Three campaigns, the northern, the central, and the southern. It's a brilliant strategy. Here we have one of those divisions of the land. Now what triggered this thing here is that he's being called to the aid of his new and unlikely allies called the Gibeonites. That's a whole different story for a different time. But the Gibeon has become now a target of the Amorite kings. And the reason why, you can see by the map that I have here for you. Joshua's camp is in Gilgal. He's already defeated Ai and Jericho. Do you see Gibeon over there in the west? This is the gateway to the whole southern part of the promised land. Gibeon is now his ally. It said in the text, they had good fighters there. The kings of the south, Jerusalem and Lachish and so forth, recognized if Joshua gets a foothold here in Gibeon, we're in trouble. He'll be able to sweep down with those allies and defeat us. So Adonai Zedek talks to the fellow kings and says, let's do a preemptive strike on Gibeon. Let's take them out so now Joshua can't have them as allies. The Gibeonites hear about the plan. They say to Joshua, you're our ally, help us. He marches all night, tremendous military strategy. He then connects with the Gibeonites and the battle is on. This is the story that you see before you there. The text tells us that Joshua comes together with them, but it also says the Lord threw all of the enemies into panic. Make no mistake, as good a general as Joshua was, it was the Lord fighting for him and for his people that did this. Now Joshua's got a challenge. He's now got them in a rout, 
But if these kings are allowed to go back to their five-walled cities, he'll have to take them out one by one. It'll be a tremendous challenge. He'll lose some good men. So Joshua determines, if I want the route to be complete, I have to defeat them before they get back to their cities. But now I don't have enough daylight. So he prays this audacious prayer. He asks God, make the sun stand still. Step into the my present with a supernatural power to change my circumstance. May the sun stand still. And you know what? It happened. It happened. The sun stood still. There's so much that begs to be explained about this. Hundreds, thousands of sermons have been preached. Scores of books have been written. And what happened? What happened? How could this happen? And people debated this and debated that. If you're looking for a thorough explanation of what happened there, I'm sorry, I don't have one. If you're looking for a complete explanation as to how this happened, you're going to be disappointed. I just take this at face, face value. I'll tell you why. When it comes to the miraculous, you're either predispositioned to believe that it could be happen or you're not. If your predisposition is this, you grant me God, anything's possible, then I don't have to give you a reason because you, I have God. If you say, I don't believe in miracles, I don't believe there's a God who can do miracles, then no argument that I give you this morning is going to suffice. The fact is, I'm in the camp that says, you grant me God and the sun can stand still. You grant me God, and that which appears to be an impossible situation may not be so impossible after all. The writer of this book certainly believed that. Notice, no explanation was offered, only an exclamation. The sun stood still. But this morning, I want to go beyond this as an historic narrative, and I want to use it as a prophetic, prophetic parallel. Here's what I want you to see. I still believe that the sun can stand still. I still believe that there's something for us to learn here about praying a big prayer, an impossible prayer, and ask God to step in. Scripture tells us the Apostle Paul writes these you see by way of the screen. In fact, let's read these words out loud and together. Read this with me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures, the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Well, Paul is saying this. Don't simply look at these as stories about what God could do back then. He can still do things today. Let the things that you read about in the past give you confidence for your future. That's what Paul's saying here. So let me give you the big idea of this message. If you're a note taker, you're going to be so happy because now you finally get to fill some blanks in. Here's your first thought. Big idea for this talk. If you have the audacity to ask, God has the ability to respond. If you're just foolish enough to ask for the sun to stand still, it just might happen. 
if you have the audacity to ask God his ability to respond. Friends, we have a God who is ready, willing, and able to step in in powerful ways. Jesus challenged us, did he not? Ask, knock, seek. Time and time again, the Savior said, don't allow the status quo to go unchallenged. Assume your authority as a child of God. Ask, seek, knock. Don't surrender to the status quo. Challenge it. And I would say to you, First Missionary Church, corporately and individually, don't surrender to the status quo in your church or in your life. Challenge it. How? On your knees. Challenge it. Challenge it. Let me offer you some thoughts by way of uh, unpacking this for you. Next slide, it says this. We all face difficult situations that appear to have impossible solutions. Is that not true? We all face difficult situations. Here's what I know. Just because we have a new calendar doesn't mean that the old year is done. Have you discovered the problems that you're facing somehow don't honor a calendar? They followed you right in 2019, didn't they? And now you're facing some of those challenges this first week of the year. I don't know what your challenges are. I don't know what your impossible situations are. Maybe your back's against the wall financially. Maybe you're facing some challenges relationally. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're in the backwash of divorce. Maybe you've got a child who's far from God. Maybe you've got an uncertain future as it relates to missions. I don't know what it may be, but I can tell you this. Your impossible situation is real to you. It's very real to you. Maybe your body's failing you. Maybe your mind is failing you. My guess is that you have something like that you're facing. Does anybody have something like that they're facing? I do. I do. I have situations I'm facing. I think, God, if you don't come through, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have impossible situations that appear to defy solution. And yet, I have hope from this passage. Here's what I want you to know. If God is with you, you can still have hope. If you're willing to pray, the sun just might stand still. The sun just might stand still. Nothing that is too great a challenge for him to take on. Indeed, as the next slide says, if the size of your need is too big for you, it's just the right size for God. If the size of you, this is overwhelming, Lord. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to turn that kid around. He's on a collision course with tragedy. I don't know what I'm going to do with this physical diagnosis I just received, Lord. I don't know what we're going to do financially. There's, there's too much month and not enough money. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do if the size of your need is too big for you. It's just the right size for God. But as with Joshua, it's not a function of your worry that's going to change it. It's going to be a function of your prayer. Your prayer. Prayer was what won this battle. A man named S.D. Gordon has written a classic little book titled Quiet Talks on Prayer. Take a look at this quote. Prayer is striking the winning blow at the concealed enemy. Service is gathering up the results of the blow. Prayer is not simply a weapon we use in battle. Prayer is the battle. 
Some couple years back, there was a movie out called The War Room. Did any of you see War Room? That's a great movie. And I love Miss Clara, right? This is my war room. And on it, she'd have taped all of these requests that she had. And she'd go to war. She would go to prayer. And she fought her battles there. And I think we would all do well to consider, maybe in 2019, one of the best things I can do is to create a war room. Part of a bedroom, part of a study, part of a basement where you can say, this is where I do battle. This is where I'm praying sun stands still prayers. This is where I'm rolling up my sleeves on behalf of my unsaved family. This is where I'm asking God to bring healing to a cancer diagnosis. This is where I'm asking God to bring in resources that I don't have a clue where we're going to find them. I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm going to battle in my war room. The Apostle James wrote, you can see in the next slide, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Peter adds, for the eyes of the Lord are on, on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Our prayers, friends, your prayers and my prayers, they matter. They make a difference. Oh, son, stand still. It seems impossible. I ask, Lord, for the status quo to be challenged. I ask for the sun to stand still. That's not to say there's not a place for action. If your marriage is in trouble, get help. If you're struggling physically, get medical attention. If your finances are a wreck, seek counsel. But mark it well, you see by way of the next slide, you can do more than pray after you've prayed. You cannot do more than prayer, pray until you prayed. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Joshua prayed, and the sun stood still. And if you dare to pray, who knows, the sun may stand still for you too. You say, this is a slam dunk. Does it happen every time? No. God is not some genie who we can summon up by rubbing the prayer lamp. He's still sovereign. And his last word, which he has, is still the best word. And sometimes his word is not yet. Sometimes it's no, not in this world. But it's still right to ask, friends. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. Even though we don't see the kingdom down here yet, do we? Not in full. Jesus said, pray for it. May the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May up there increasingly come down here. May the sun stand still in my family, with my kids, with my health, with my finances, with First Missionary Church of Bern. May the sun stand still in 2019. I pray that it be the greatest year in this church's 125-year history. May the sun stand still. And when you start praying that kind of prayer, you watch what happens. And you won't simply have a missions moment Pastor Mike would say, well, we got another miracle moment. And now the stage will be filled with testimonies of miracle moments of kids who came home 
of marriages that were restored, of bodies that were healed, of financial situations that were reversed. And who knows, it could become the greatest year in your church's history. The year when the sun stood still. Here's one thing that you need to understand. We still yet live in the not yet. The book of Hebrews said, not yet. Not yet do we see all things subject for Jesus, to Jesus. We still live in the not yet. So when I pray a son stands still pray, as Gwen and I did a couple years back for a little boy with leukemia, we prayed. We prayed, may the son stand still. May he be healed against all odds. All night prayer meetings. Gwen went to Indianapolis to Riley Hospital, laid hands on him. We prayed, son stand still, prayed, and Samuel died. Not yet is everything subject to Jesus. We still live in the not yet. I heard some great stories sometime back about a pastor who'd faithfully served the Lord for over 40 years. In the last 12, his partner, his beloved wife, struggled with Alzheimer's. He prayed for 12 years. May the sun stand still. Heal my wife of Alzheimer's. Little by little, he slowly watched the sun go down. The years went by. She finally got to the place where she could no longer recognize him. He began shouting obscenities at him because she didn't even know who he was. It never got any better. And eventually she died, a shell of the woman she once was. And the pastor wrote these words by way of testimony. I may have never been able to see the miracle I was praying for, but I got to be the miracle I was praying for. I was able to love my wife through the darkest days of my life, and God used that to his glory every bit as much as he could have used her healing. You might look at it this way as you look at this slide. Even if the sun doesn't stand still in your situation, it can still stand still through your situation. I prayed and the marriage wasn't restored. I prayed and the cancer didn't stop. I prayed and I still lost my job. But you can be the answer to your prayer. And people will say when they see how you respond, even in the midst of your disappointment, God was fighting for her, even in her disappointment. God was fighting for him, even though he didn't get what he was looking for. I'm convinced, friends, there's still time and a still place to pray sun stand still prayers. One of the most striking things about this that I saw in this text, Joshua prayed it publicly. The verse said, in the presence of Israel, he prayed a big prayer. You might have thought, boy, he's really going to embarrass himself. Or he's really going to embarrass God. What if I pray a big prayer and it doesn't get answered? Will I have embarrassed myself? Well, I can tell you this. If you don't ask, you'll never know. And as for embarrassing God, Word has it, he's a pretty secure person. He's a pretty secure person. I don't think you're praying a big prayer 
and it not being answered the way you hoped, I don't think somehow he's going to be too all that embarrassed. I think he'll be pleased. He'll be pleased. If we don't take the risk, we'll never face the possibility of a miracle. Here's one thing I know. God won't answer 100% of the prayers we don't pray. God won't answer 100% of the prayers you don't pray. Mark Batterson put it well, and with this we close. The greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. When those prayers go up, God is freed to come down. And who knows, if you would dare to roll up your spiritual sleeves in 2019, the sun might stand still. Let's bow our heads. The text says that in the presence of Israel, Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still. He went on record, I'm praying a big prayer. I wanna ask you, first missionary, as it relates to you, your family, or your church, What's your impossible situation? What's the big issue that you so need God to come through? Do you have such an issue? Are you willing to pray, oh God, may the sun stand still? If you're willing to pray, for the sun to stand still in 2019 in at least one issue, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I have a sun stand still prayer. Keep your hands up, I'm gonna pray over you then. And Lord, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I have you. As surely as you worked for Joshua, so work for me. As surely as you work for his people, so work in my church. And so, Lord, I pray for these men and women and young people with their hands upraised. May the sun stand still. And may they rise to testify. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? And so, my fellow fighters, step into 2019 and let this be your watchword as you greet each other through these early weeks. I'm praying for the sun to stand still. How about you? We'll see you next week.